Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This is episode 255. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Lainey from Queensland, Australia. Are we just hopping in? Just yeah. hopping in? Oh man, yeah. did no you, warm up or anything. Did, okay. you, did you see this? I don't know. She said, you guys are talking about doing a live virtual show from your basement. Yes. How come you haven't done it yet? To inspire you, Here's $100. <laughs> she actually sent us 100 bucks too. Eh? <laughs> wow. I guess now we, we have to go ahead and schedule that. Well, I mean, I did. I have done some stuff. I cleaned the room that yeah. we are going to be recording it in uh, because I had been just letting the guinea pigs hang out in there. Uh, so yeah. it, it needed to be cleaned. Anyway, well, yeah, the, the carpet was covered in guinea pig poo. I mean, not covered. Don't be gross. Uh, okay, not covered, but... The, I mean, there were the, a couple here and there. I think that the acceptable amount of guinea pig poo on a carpet uh, limit had been exceeded. I, I think that that's a fair statement because I don't want any guinea pig poo on Listen, my you know where the friggin' vacuum is, okay? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're going to be streaming it uh, online from our semi-furnished basement. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we hope that you will join us for that. Uh, we have talked with Amber, our road manager, who will be assisting us with said recording and uh, producing. And yeah. the curator has even gotten involved. Yeah, we, we may actually even have the curator. We miss doing live shows so much. And it's going to be a long time before we can... We can do a live show. So we're going to recreate that live show experience in our semi-furnished basement. That's right. So we are jazzed. We are really, honestly, we are working toward getting it done for you. It's just, it's been a, it been a bit, a bit of a process. Yeah. Because of the guinea pig poop. Mostly because of that. Yeah. What you got for me? I want to tell you the tale of Dr. Bindishwar Patek. This doctor was visiting Madame Tussauds Wax Museum in London and was inspired. And they felt that they needed to have a similar museum in India, but with a slightly different 
focus. Thus began the Sulub International Museum of Toilets. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Located in New Delhi. The museum was opened in 1992. In it, you will find objects detailing the historic evolution of toilets from 2500 BCE to date. It provides a chronological account of developments related to technology, toilet-related social customs, mm -hmm. toilet etiquettes, right. prevailing sanitary conditions, and legislative efforts of different times and regions. So at the grand opening, uh, did it make a big splash <laughs> when it came out? <laughs> <clears throat> the museum has an extensive display of privies, water closets, in use from 1145 CE to the modern times. It also has a rare collection of beautiful poems written On the and walls? about and related to toilets and their usage. These are what they were written on the walls of the of the stalls. No, the, there's some great poetry there. <laughs> this was not a project that the doctor half-assed. He did extensive research on the subject. He sent letters to more than a hundred embassies and high commissions of different countries, uh, seeking information and photos on the subject. So he blew the lid off it. <clears throat> To his request, more than 60 embassies responded and provided information, including toilet designs used in various countries. The museum is divided into three parts, ancient, medieval, and modern, depicting the evolution of the humble laboratory over the centuries. Some of the interesting objects and information charts on display are a reproduction of a commode of the British medieval period. This was supposedly used to uh, for the king to defecate in while holding court. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, sometimes it could be a lengthy process and you might have to drop a deuce midst. Right, right. right. You're making some sort of royal proclamation and pinching off a loaf. They may not have been playing cards, but someone for sure had yeah, a royal, royal flesh. flesh. <clears throat> All right. There was a toilet camouflaged in the form of a bookcase, so you could <laughs> sneaky library poo. Wow. 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 That could be confusing. Also, information on the technology transfer from Russia to NASA to convert urine into potable water. Hmm. which is actually super interesting. Of course, there are display boards with comics and jokes and cartoons regarding toilets. Toilet pots made of gold and silver used by Roman emperors. Information about flush pots designed in the 1500s by Sir John Harrington. Is that where we got the term the John? Not sure. You'll have huh. to visit the museum. And uh, historical information from archaeological sites on the development of toilets during the Indus Valley civilization. There's also a replica of a medieval mobile commode in the shape of a treasure chest. <laughs> was that by design? This was used while well-off travelers, while camping on, on the hunt, yeah, maybe, right. uh, could poo. Mm -hmm. But then if someone came upon their site and, tried and to saw rob a travel <laughs> treasure chest, <laughs> yeah. they want to take it, right? Ha ha ha! 
<laughs> it's like when people fill Amazon boxes full of poop. Yeah. And it's like, take that, thieves. It's the medieval version of that. It's hilarious, and I love all versions of it. It is delightful that the humor can be carried down through the generations like that. So the treasure would be poop. Anyway, on the website about the museum, they write that they are proud that for the second year in a row, they have won the Experts' Choice Award by Trip Expert. They've been recognized as an outstanding attraction by professional reviewers on tripexpert.com with recommendations from publications like Travel and Leisure, Lonely Planet, and Atlas Obscura. Wow. They are featured on TripExpert.com as one of the best attractions in New Delhi. I'm just wondering what the competing attractions are, though. No, like all in, attractions, in, yeah, not in, just in New toilet-related no, attractions. No, I mean of all attractions. Oh, sure. I mean, it's one thing to say you're the best in a particular region, but if there's nothing else to do in New Delhi... Oh, well, it's New Delhi. Of course, there's other stuff to do. I believe on uh, TripAdvisor, it was ranked like number 47 out of 500-something attractions so worldwide no in new delhi all right 40 45 out of 500 something like that within a city okay well yeah that's not that impressive well no it's not like they got number two or anything <laughs> but they, it's pretty good you knew exactly where i was going with that <laughs> it's pretty good yeah it's pretty good <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> so as I said, the museum is separated into three sections. The purpose of this is to show how each region of the world and through each time period, the the practice of pooing yeah. has evolved. Now, as I said, this was something the doctor took very seriously. And it's because his objective was really to establish the museum to highlight problems of sanitation, especially in India. He wanted the sanitation sector in the country to improve. And so he wanted to show and illustrate how sanitation, toilets, poo habits have improved uh, all over the world over the years. It gets to the heart of a very real problem in India, which is the lack of proper plumbing and access to modern toilet facilities, which leads to the death of half a million children every year due to dehydration caused by open defecation. Mm. Because if you're pooping in the water, you can't drink it. That's right. So he has this battle cry of nobody should go outside for defecation and every house in India should have a toilet. Now, it's not the most catchy of phrases. Could be a little more concise. Mm. You know, and if it could rhyme, that would be great. Yeah, it's not got milk. Wow. There's, there's a really weak callback. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that was just for you. Thank you. And the one person that's listening right now and you know who you are. So he has set out to bring modern sanitation to India, raising the status of India's lower castes, the untouchables, uh, so that they are uh, living in conditions that are as healthy and clean as those in higher levels of the caste system. As we've talked about before, lots of places throughout the world have, have lived within some sort of social structure like this. But in India, uh, the, the caste system is still in effect. Mm. And I kind of wish I had like switched around the story. So I started with the sadness yeah. and then went into the fun toilet talk. Yeah. Because um, I feel like I'm ending this on a real bummer. Okay. I think that's enough. That's enough out of you. And now, 
that thing in the middle. All right, here's some weird stuff that uh, TSA found in luggage. Always a fun topic to revisit. It is indeed. Number five, wedding-themed hand grenades. Yes. That does not give me the sense that this is going to be a long and lasting relationship. No. I'm guessing that uh, camo was involved also (laughs) in the wedding attire. Number four, Python in a hard drive. That movie with Wesley Snipes. Get these motherfucking snakes out of my motherfucking hard drive. (laughs) Number three, a pair of those giant oversized ceremonial scissors that you cut ribbons with when you open a bridge. (laughs) Wait, you can't take those on the... Oh, (laughs) jeez. Yeah. Freddy Krueger hands. Yeah, nothing will get you pulled over by TSA like a glove with razor blades protruding from it. Finger shears. And number one, bullet-shaped whiskey stones. You know those things, instead of ice cubes, they're like some yeah. kind of stone and they stay cold Keeps real your long. your booze cold. Right. These ones look like bullets, which is never a good idea to carry in your check-on luggage. Especially if your flask looks an awful lot like a gun. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids. And they live about 3,000 miles away. And my daughter is expecting a child. And she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing. If you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura frames. And living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. 
What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? <sighs> Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's the podcast that famous people listen to, but only admit it to their pastors, therapists, or lawyers. And even then, only after a couple of cocktails. This is The Box of Oddities. Boy, your topic on Robert the Doll got a lot of response, a lot of messages and emails from people. Not everyone happy with me. No. Um, uh, Itzus wrote... My friend had a Robert the Doll encounter. She and her boyfriend went to Key West last year and made it a point to go see Robert. They opted not to take his picture because the whole asking permission thing kind of freaked them out. Sure. But they decided to take some pictures when they got back outside. And the phone wouldn't take a normal picture. All the shots were blurry or streaky or distorted. She showed them to me, too. There were no phone issues before or after they left the Robert Museum. Freaky. Ooh. Then on your Facebook post about uh, Robert the Doll, a ton of hilarious remarks. For example, Gothwife420 said, complimented Robert's outfit and paid my respects before liking this post. <laughs> and Nigel V81 wrote, my shower case cracked this morning after listening to this episode. It's going to cost me a packet. I should have skipped this one. P.S., where should I send my forgiveness letter? <laughs> I'd be less than honest if I did not admit that after doing that episode, I didn't think twice every time I got in my, I've gotten in my car since then. Because Robert the doll was behind you? Because now I'm, I'm, I'm terrified that something awful is going to happen. And uh, Oh, terrible things don't just happen in cars. They do to me. Everything that's ever terrible that's ever happened was in a car. Disagree. I saw that <laughs> mullet. You got that done in a salon. All right. <laughs> In a salon. I was thinking more of my first sex act. That was also in a salon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Frank Lloyd Wright. <laughs> Let's get right into it. Frank Lloyd Wright. I'd like to Frank Lloyd her right. Uh, Am I right? right? Am I? Okay. Ah. 
Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright was, of course, an American architect, a designer. Love him. A writer, an educator. He designed more than a thousand structures over a creative period of 70 years. According to Wikipedia, Wright believed in designing in harmony with humanity and its environment, a philosophy he called organic architecture. Wright was the pioneer of what became known as the Prairie School Movement of Architecture. We, you and I are both fans of uh, Frank Lloyd Wright because of the straight lines. We love straight lines. That just makes us sound so like vanilla. Yeah. We love straight lines. Yes, we do. Everything has and to be... And coloring within them. <laughs> it has to be straight and neat. Um, in addition to houses, though, Wright designed... Uh, original and innovative office buildings, churches, schools, skyscrapers, hotels, <laughs> museums, and many other structures. I just want to clarify and say that many of my very favorite things are very much not straight. He has had his work listed at World Heritage Site, and Wright was recognized in 1991 by the American Institute of Architects as the greatest American architect of all time. Wow. Not long after being commissioned by a businessman, and an Oak Park, Illinois neighbor, Edwin Cheney, to design a house in 1903, Wright began immediately hitting on his new client's wife. <laughs> um, oh, I did, yeah. I did not know. Yeah, he was married with six children of his own at the time. Oh, shit. But he fell in love with Mrs. Cheney, and they thought probably the best thing to do was run away to Europe together. So they did. The no. Cheneys soon were divorced. But Frank Lloyd Wright's wife, Catherine, refused to give him a divorce. So Wright decided to design and build a little hideaway nook where he and his mistress could live. He built a beautiful house and studio in 1911 in Spring Green, Wisconsin. He named his estate Taliesin in honor of the Welsh bard. But the press had, a, had different names for this house. They didn't want to call it Taliesin. They referred to it as Love Cottage and the Castle of Love. Local residents did not exactly welcome the new residents with open arms. Um, in fact, the uh, superintendent of Iowa County Schools in a local newspaper said, quote, The scandal is bound to have a demoralizing effect on the school children of the community. Oh, my. It is an outrage to allow young men and women and boys and girls to grow up in the belief that a man and a woman can so disregard the marriage bonds. Uh, locals were very vocal of their displeasure. Did they TP their house? They did not TP Taliesin that I know of, but uh, but they did give them some nasty looks when they would go to town. Did they go to town on the lawn? Because that seems really inappropriate. <laughs> no, when they literally went to town oh. for supplies. All right, all right. Um, some people, some locals even threatened to tar and feather the couple, but that failed to drive either one of them away from Taliesin. So the townspeople then called upon a local sheriff to arrest Frank Lloyd Wright for living with his mistress. Okay. I have questions. Yeah, go ahead. Like, why wouldn't Frank Lloyd Wright's wife give him a divorce? Was he not willing to take care of the family financially, even if he was granted a divorce? Was that the concern, is that they would be destitute without him no or was it just like no yeah it was just, we are married and that is that i don't think that uh, she was worried about him providing for her or any of their six children she just did not want to give him the divorce well that seems unreasonable 
Well, this was 1911, and certainly divorce still has a, a social stigma today. But back then, oh my God, you were a sinner. You were a sinner. You're a sinner. It sounds like you're saying like the beginning part of cinnamon, and I keep I keep wanting you to finish cinnamon. No, and... no, just saying sinner bun. Um, <laughs> but even though all this was going on, Wright didn't give two shits about uh, the standard conventions or what the outside world thought of his relationship. He was asked by a reporter about this, quote, scandal, and he said, quote, two women are necessary for a man of an artistic mind, one to be mother of his children and the other to be his mental companion, his inspiration, his soulmate. Ugh. He also said in a different interview, quote, Laws and rules are made for the average. Oh, Jesus. You're not making this better, Frank. <laughs> the ordinary man cannot live without rules to guide his conduct. It is infinitely more difficult to live without rules. But that is what the really honest, sincere thinking man is compelled to do. I mean, I get your point, but you could be less of an ass about it. According to History.com, on the afternoon... Of August 15th, 1914, Wright was in Chicago working on the design of Midway Gardens when his mistress and 8-year-old Martha and 12-year-old John... Are those Frank Lloyd Wrights or were they her from a previous... Yes, <laughs> Mrs. Cheney's, uh, his mistress, 8-year-old Martha, 12-year-old John. They sat down for lunch on the porch at Taliesin. At the same time, inside... At the main dining room, at the end of a big 25-foot-long passageway, Wright's draftsmen and laborers also gathered around a table to be served lunch by 30-year-old Barbados native Julian Carlton. Julian. He was kind of a handyman, servant, kind of a, a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. During the summer, he waited tables and performed housework at Taliesin. Julian, make your lunch. Carlton's wife... Gertrude was responsible for most of the uh, cooking that was done there. So they both worked there that summer. Julian, serve your lunch. As the workers ate their soup inside the dining room, 19-year-old draftsman Herbert Fritz noticed something unusual. Quote, we heard a swish as though water was thrown through the screen door. Then we saw some fluid coming under the door. It looked like dishwater. It spread out all over the floor, he recalled. So after... Serving everyone their food, Carlton went back to the patio, where the former Mrs. Cheney, who was known as Maymaw, was sitting there with her two children having lunch. Carlton picked up a hand axe and swung it at the back of Maymaw's skull. What? Piercing what? through to her forehead. Next, he attacked 12-year-old John I with an axe. By then, eight-year-old Martha had got up from the table and she ran into the house. Carlton pursued her cutting her three times with the axe before bashing her face in with the blunt end. Oh my goodness, what is happening? And it was quickly realized that that swishing sound of fluid being thrown through the screen door was in fact gasoline. Uh, he continued to douse their bodies in gasoline and set them on fire. He torched the door to the workers' dining room, hoping to kill the men as they fled the flames. What is happening? The dining room burst into flames. The door was slammed shut and locked. With his clothes burning and his hair on fire, Fritz, 
the 19-year-old draftsman, jumped out the window next to where he was seated and rolled down a hill to put out the flames. Fritz looked back. He saw Taliesin in flames. His co-workers, who had broken through the barricaded door, tried to escape through a window to the courtyard, were then hacked at by Carlton wielding his axe. They were badly burned and wounded, but both 35-year-old master carpenter Billy Weston, who had helped build Taliesin, and landscape gardener David Lindblom managed to escape along with Fritz. They somehow managed to walk a half a mile to the nearest house with a phone and called for help. So the townspeople quickly rushed to the scene and they found the bodies of Maymaw, Wright's mistress, her two children, two workers, and a 13-year-old boy. Lindblom, the landscape artist, later succumbed to his burns. Seven people died. Only two survived. He killed seven out of nine people. Now, this is Julian. Julian Carlton, yes. Is Where's Julian's wife? Is she, she here? She. That's a great question. I neglected to mention that, that when he went into the uh, dining room before he slammed the door shut and uh-huh. you know, poured gasoline all over everything, he uh, told her to leave the room. And then he poured gasoline and then slammed the door shut and lit it. Wow. Julian's a dick. This is insane. How do I not know about this? According to Merle Seacrest's biography, Frank Lloyd Wright, a witness recalled Lindblom having said of Carlton, quote, if anyone around there ever did him any dirt, he would send them to hell in a minute. There were rumors of workers possibly hurling racial slurs at Carlton while he was there. That may have led to his motivation or caused him in part to snap. There was also some sort of a dispute a few days earlier, something that had to do with saddling up a horse. And one of uh, Taliesin's surviving workers said he had heard that both the Carltons were being let go, that uh, Maymaw had said, you know, we don't have work for you here. You're going to have to leave. And then the killer's wife did, in fact, confirm that they were due to take a train back to Chicago that very night. So that seems like that played into it as well. I I mean, quick clarification. Uh, None of that is relevant. He's a psychopath, uh, you know, just Mm, kill people. Right. Okay. please continue. But as you can imagine, they wanted to try to make some kind of sense out of this. Of course. That's mind-boggling and terrifying. So what did Carlton do after he butchered a bunch of people with an axe and then burned the house down, killing seven out of nine people? Well, after that, he went down to the basement of Taliesin. He swallowed muriatic acid and then crawled inside the furnace of the house to die. Oh, He was discovered there several hours later. He was still barely conscious. The handyman never gave a motive for his attack and then refused to eat, dying of starvation seven weeks later. His wife, Gertrude, said her husband had become increasingly paranoid in the weeks prior to the attack, even keeping a hatchet in a bag next to his bed. But even after this horrific tragedy, the public was still fixated on the relationship between Wright and his mistress. Of course. Yeah. In their reports on the murders, newspapers still referred to Taliesin as the love cottage. (sighs) The Ogden Standard even reported that some neighbors pointed to, quote, to the tragic ruin of the kingdom of love as the strongest argument 
that the avenging angel still flies. Ugh, that whole thing about like tragedy comes to those who aren't morally as I see fit, you know, is disgusting. Tragedy comes to people who take pictures of Robert the doll. <laughs> According to the New York Post, Wright got to Taliesin late that evening. With his own home now a smoldering ruin, Ugh. he went to his sister Jenny, half a mile away. He'd designed a house for her years earlier and had insisted on a grand piano in the living room. That night, it said that he went to the piano, which he'd learned to play as a child, and began to pick out a tune from Bach. Crying as he played, nobody dared interrupt him. The next day, Wright cut down all the flowers in Mama's garden, laying them both under and over her body in a simple coffin. He wrote, quote, It helped a little, remembering how he'd brought her to the cemetery with the help of his son John and two cousins. Quote, Together we lowered the pine box to the bottom of the new-made grave. Then I asked them to leave me there alone. As the sky grew dark, he filled the grave himself. <sighs> Through his grief... Frank Lloyd Wright set out to resurrect Taliesin, much of which had been destroyed by the fire. True. So by the end of 1914, the residential wing of the estate had been rebuilt. At the same time, Wright procla proclaimed his love for another woman. Um, she had written to him a condolence letter after the tragedy, and he fell in love with her. Uh, the two got married in 1923. Catherine did finally agree to give Frank Lloyd Wright a divorce. Oh, see, that's nice. Two years after that, Taliesin burned to the ground once more. No, what? Some say from a lightning strike, other reports suggest faulty wiring was to blame. Once again, Frank Lloyd Wright rebuilt Taliesin, which today is a national historic landmark. Fast forward a few years, 1952. It was a Saturday afternoon in the spring. Wright was burning some leaves and grass on the no. grounds of the Taliesin estate. While he was distracted, the wind changed direction and the flames suddenly grabbed hold of a nearby building where Wright's apprentices lived. Hours later, firefighters got the blaze under control. One of Wright's students remembered him inspecting the damage, finding a smoke-filled Steinway piano he'd installed in the dormitory living room. To the astonishment of the onlookers, he sat down and began playing the piano again. So after the murders, the fires, and all the tragedy, there have been many accounts of strange phenomena witnessed at Taliesin. Immediately after the murders, while the house was still burning, uh, the bodies of the victims were taken to a cottage on the grounds. It's there where the ghost of Mayma has reportedly been seen, usually dressed in a flowing white gown. She's a peaceful presence, but appears restless and lost. Doors and windows and lights have been known to open and close and turn on and turn off by themselves. Groundkeepers who lock the cottage up at night report coming back and finding all the windows and doors open in the morning. No damage done to the property, mm -hmm. just everything that had been locked up, unlocked and open. Taliesin Preservation offers a variety of tours of the Taliesin Estate in Spring Green. Anybody can go. Tours are available from what I have read Thursday through Tuesday. Times vary based on, on the day and the type of tour. And I'm not really sure what their schedule is now with all this COVID crap. But uh, yeah, in theory, you can go visit Taliesin and see where all this crazy shit happened. Ooh, that was... A real roller coaster. 
I vaguely remember hearing about a tragedy back in the past involving Frank Lloyd Wright. Mm. And when I started digging into it, I'm like, holy shit, that was a real bad day. It's terrible. I'm I'm shocked that I didn't know anything about that. It's just, that is tragic. So there you go. I remember Frank Lloyd Wright and all the nights we harmonized till dawn. I did not know the details of that story, but uh, wow. And with that, I am going to close my pen, set it down on the counter. Don't you love the name Taliesin, though? I really do. It sounds so peaceful. It really betrays the whole axe murder fire victim thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's definitely a different vibe. Uh, yeah. going on yeah. now that I know the story, mm. for sure. Also, think about it this way. Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright's first wife could have kept that entire tragedy from happening if she had just allowed a divorce. That's an even better place to end. Uh, we'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Hello, everyone. It's Takuya here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.